podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro, podcasting to you from the field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Downey and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Liverpool 1, Crystal Palace 1 in the Premier League from Anfield are Dave Hendrick and Harry Setti. Dave, you don't want to be making pronouncements too early, but um, to be four points behind that lot uh, with a potential title for grabs is a big, big, big uh sort of bad start and it feels pretty awful um a game we dominated uh in every objective objectifiably measurable sort of uh, uh way and yet we get the result we get it's a crazy game it's polluted by a terrible stinking referee performance but we can't blame that nor can we blame palace and their shithouse tactics because you know, you almost have to take your hat off to them. What you can blame is the fact that we can't get the result over the line, and that's a worry. Yeah, entirely. I mean, look, I don't blame Palace at all. If I was a manager going to Anfield, that's exactly how I'd set up. A nice deep block of five with four grafting in front and a pacey outbow. That's exactly how you set up against Liverpool at Anfield. I mean, round of applause for Patrick Vieira. I thought he got his tactics absolutely spot on tonight um yes you're right again the referee had an absolute stinker an absolute stinker but he was bad for both teams it's just that we had so much more of the ball that he was worse for us because there were more incidences incidents that went against us than against them because they only had 27 percent of the ball and we had 73 percent of the ball but you're also right when you say we did enough to win that game like we were so much better today than we were a week ago. And I mm. uh, uh, I jinxed us. I literally tweeted, this is so much better than last Saturday. And within 45 seconds, they had the ball in the net. You know, you see the team come out. The first thing you notice is the captain's been dropped. And that's exactly what should have happened after how he played last weekend. He brings in Milner. He brings in Harvey. I would have preferred to see Naby, but he hasn't played yet. He's been out for a little while with this illness, so maybe he's not fully right. And Milner had done well when he came on last weekend. And I would much rather have Milner as an eight than Henderson as an eight. So while I don't want to see James Milner play, and we'll come back to that later, it's a better decision than playing Henderson, especially on the left of midfield, where he really struggles. And again, Harvey came on against Fulham and was a game changer. So you see the midfield, you think, right, it's not ideal. You'd prefer Naby in there. Obviously, you'd prefer Thiago in there. But 
this is the best of maybe what's available to the manager. Now, that in itself is problematic, and that in itself highlights what I've been banging the drum about for over a year now. We need a new midfielder. Like I said on Scouted a few weeks back, and I might have said it on a raw, if James Milner starts a single Premier League game this season, the summer has been a failure. If Milner is starting for you, you've got a problem. And if he's starting the second game of the season, you've got a big problem. And then you look at the forward line and you're happy. You see Mo, you see Darwin, you see Diaz. Great. And then you look at the defence and you see the name Nat Phillips. Now, we know that Ibu and Virgil, or Ibu and Joel uh, were both injured. And now Joe Gomez wasn't fit enough to start. So again, we're two weeks into the season and three of our centre-backs aren't fit enough to play. So we're playing Nat Phillips. Now, again, if we had that reinforcement in midfield, you could have played Fabinho at centre-back, played Henderson as the six, and played that new number eight with Elliot. And that would have been better. But you couldn't play Henderson as the eight with Milner as a six and Harvey as a six, as an eight, because you just get torn apart um, by, by a good team like Palace. So... You know, you see Nat's name there, and it does immediately give you that kind of wobbly feeling of like this this fella's not up to the level that we need. And then that get ex- gets exposed on the goal. But like, I did think we played well tonight. I thought we played really well up until they scored. That sort of hit us a little bit hard, but we still kept creating chances. We created a decent chance for Darwin just before half time. We created a decent chance for Darwin early in the second half. Then we get the red card, which I'm sure we'll discuss a lot more. And then, you know, what happens, happens, and we end up getting a point. And overall, I think you have to feel relieved. But, you know, we're two games in. We're already four points behind City. You're not obviously not going to give up on the league at this point. That would be foolish. But it does feel a little bit ominous. And like again, six games in a row in the Premier League that we've gone behind in, that's a really bad habit that we need to break. Really, yeah, and really this thing habit, is a concerning habit. It really is. It really is. And this thing, Harry, I mean, might as well bring you on this because mm. we've sort of, uh, it's it's atypical. It's going to be slightly atypical, this show. We'll stick to the formula, but it's hard not to want to dive into a few of the issues here. And I want to bring you in on something there, like, Dave's highlighted there the idea of, I think it's, as he said, six matches in a row where we've gone behind. Now, that shouldn't really be a problem. Um, we had that situation today where we used to have it in Liverpool iterations of the past, especially under Rodgers, where teams would have one shot and score one goal or two shots yeah. and score two goals. Um, that was the case in the first half. There should have been plenty of time for us to get our shit together and come out um, all guns blazing. We didn't really, uh, well, we didn't actually do it until after we're a man down in terms of actually putting the ball in the net. I hear myself saying the word concerning and I kind of want to give myself a slap. And at the same time, it is concerning um, because it is a bigger pattern than just these opening two matches. But what is clear is the teams seem to have a way that they can hurt us. You've got Jamie Carragher on the Sky co- uh, commentary, which I'm going to talk about because I'm um, cancelling my Sky next week. So I'm just going to lean into it. <laughs> uh, talk, talking talking about um, uh, 
You know, this is how teams set up the score against Liverpool. And of course, it comes back to this idea of the high line and playing the high line. But he's looking at that's the, the, the goal. And there's a lot of things we could say about that and how it just wasn't typical of us trying to do the usual and how certain people may have made silly decisions and so on and so forth. Do you have that feeling as th- that they've described as wobbly now when you just think about this season? Does it have a weird feeling to it already? I'm not sure if I'm allowing myself to think about it in terms of a, a wobbly feeling around the entire season. And I think it's um it's it's so easy to to get caught up in immediately focusing on City because invariably at one point in the season we're gonna be focusing uh, on every single result they get, um, if we get even closer to them and it's and it's a battle like it was last season uh in the run in. Um I, I feel like we have to uh, try and remove ourselves from that a little bit. Obviously, it's very difficult because they the, the standards that are being set are so absurdly high. Um, and we know the reasons why those standards are are that high. We know why the um, the reasons why the competition is so is so tough. But I think it sometimes can be a bit uh, be a bit of a distraction. Obviously, the goal is to try and win the league, and and, and there are opponents. But um, just to move away from that for a second, I I I, I do think that there are. There, there, there are issues with this side. Um, and I, again, I thought we actually, to, to echo what Dave was saying, I thought we actually played very, um, very well in in sort of large patches tonight, despite the uh, the circumstances. Well, especially given the circumstances, especially after the red card, um, I thought that was one one of the more impressive ten man performances you're going to see for a while. But um, I, 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 th- I think there are issues with the team. Obviously, it takes a, a bit of time to integrate new new signings, new new types of players into a side that's been used to playing with you know, a fairly you know, consistent attack, for example. It takes some time to sort of understand sort of how to get the best out of those players, how they're going to dovetail with each other. Um, but really, that, 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 that's not really the area where I'm I'm concerned it's 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 the area where there hasn't been change. It's it's it it, it is that midfield. Um, I, I'm I'm a little bit concerned about uh, Fab in a few moments. Um, and again, he, actually in the midfield concerns, he's he's probably the least of my worries. But I, I'm slightly concerned um, by the amount of work he seems to be having to do. Um, and in terms of a game plan of how to deal with Liverpool, I mean, the, you, you have to be pretty flawless in how you execute, and also hope Liverpool are you know, quite profligate in front of goal. And I thought Liverpool were um, on occasions tonight just just quite wasteful, to be honest. And I, I, I didn't really get the feel, even though you look at the end of the game, you see the XG created, you see all the chances that apparently, you know, Dave was mentioning there as well, are high quality chances. I, I just didn't feel like we really did create, you know, really clear cut opportunities, but actually perhaps there were a few that were, that were spurned. But in terms of Palace coming, executing their game plan, uh, you know, it's... The run that Zaha makes is 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 one thing. It's it's exploiting a weakness in our side. The, the second you see Phillips, you know, as we've said many times, uh, you try and be as fair as you can to the guy. Um, God knows we thanked him and Reese Williams enough for, uh, or there were definitely Twitter accounts that thanked them. Uh, it seemed like every single day for, for for securing his Champions League football that season, where there were no fans uh, in the stadium. But it's clear that yeah, he, he he's not. Um, He's not suitable at this level. That's why he's so far down the pecking order. And uh, yeah, Palace just exploited that. Um, but again, the run had to be perfect. The finish had to be perfect as well. And it was on this occasion. So 
I'm, I'm not necessarily concerned that there's a sort of an easy way to to set up to get a result at Anfield. I am concerned that obviously this, this pattern of us conceding first and giving us um, giving ourselves all this work to do, when it does feel to me anyway that just in recent times it's been quite a lot of hard work for us to actually score some goals. Yeah, uh, there was a really good gag to me made there about the easy way to uh, oh, get yeah, a win at Anfield, but, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll not lean into that. <laughs> I like the point you're making there, man, I have to say about the quality of the chances, because they all seem to me to be kind of at full stretch, last gasp efforts from Jimmy Milner's left footed sort of one that skies over the top corner to... Mm. Darwin's miscued shot to Moe's half volley toward the end. They're all sort of at full stretch, at full pace, as was Luis Diaz's goal. Uh, it was and they one have of to be excellent that... finishes as well, don't they, Trevor? I mean, like, exactly. none, none of those were tappings. All of those had to be sort of strong finishes for, yeah. if it wasn't going to be a goal. So now, I will term... say, I will say, Milner's is only a stretch because his first touch is horrendous. <laughs> It's only he a stretch. Of his first <laughs> he was like, losing height. Harvey has a half-decent chance where he dribbles into the box, but they just get bodies in the way. The Mo one from, I think it's Trent's cross, their first-time shot, that's a decent chance. The mm. Mo header's a half-decent chance. Darwin has probably the best chance, and I think Decoure manages to clip his foot as he goes to shoot. Like, there was a lot the of desperation the spending. We had an XG yeah. today of 2.05 from 24 shots you know four on target it's it's not it's not great it really isn't great and most of our, no. our chances came first half yeah and that's that's exactly the point i'm making about the quality of them like and and, and, and just echoing what harry was saying and you are now as well it's just we just need to be a little bit careful. I, I agree. I think we played fantastic football in terms of build-up play. The movement's good. You'd have to say that. But there's something. there was something a little bit desperate about the execution of the chances themselves or the final ball. Um, let's just take a second, because you've gone into a lot of detail, Dave, about the Liverpool lineup already. So we can kind of move quickly through that. There's not a whole lot to say about it. He makes a choice on um, Phillips ahead of Vandenberg, and I don't think too many people will be surprised that that's the choice he made, given the um, yeoman's service that uh, Phillips did in the past. Uh, uh, and, you know, I've heard a lot of commentary uh, in the last hour or so, seen a lot of stuff, both personal messages to me in various me um, uh, formats and also here on the uh, twit machine about sentimentality and Kalapo and you know maybe that's the call maybe it's the right call anyway maybe he's the one who's um, shown showing well um, in the famed training form um, whoever whoever knows that's that's the selection the other one that you spoke about that midfield Dave I heard you talk about potential midfields uh, quoting it I think was a this is Anfield article today on, on your show and uh, I'm not sure that that was one of the ones that was under consideration it was a shock um but a comparatively pleasant one i think and i was excited to see what they could do we have a solid trio uh, behind them and ali and we have a very great um trio ahead of them so it should have been exciting enough i don't know if there's much more to say about that outside of the whole is there something to be said about sentimentality but let's take a second to look at crystal palace because obviously both you and harvey uh, both you and harry did shows looking for forward to this game and speaking to um 
uh, Carl and, and, and Harriet is, is um, Crystal Palace a guest on to talk about this um, particular game. So let's take a look at them and, and see what it is that we're, we're, we're up against here. And you laid out what it was, Dave, early on. I'll start with you. Um, the Palace were going with sort of five across um, with four people um, being very industrious ahead of them. And as you described him, a great outball. In this new iteration of Saha as the as the front man, it really suits him, I have to say. It really suits the kid. It's he played it really well tonight. He looks dangerous as fuck. I I I I I think I think I think um Patrick Vieira is really onto something here. And I'm not sure what I make of this keeper. I never have been. Um Nathaniel Klein is what he is, a, a journeyman. Um Ward, Anderson, Gay, Mitchell make up that line. Uh Ayu Decore, Schlup, Easy, and Zaha. Um it's a very interesting system. I, I have to say, I, I think we might be inclined to over-lavish the praise a bit because, say, one of those first-half chances went in or two of them, uh, the game gets a bit different and they have to go for it. And are they going to be able to adapt? I'm not sure they have that in them. But look, everyone can say now after the event that their tactics worked a treat, that, mm. you know, they had enough bodies in the way to keep us out, that they had enough um, battlers in midfield to get the second balls. But Dave, I don't know. I think we were really good in the first half and in most of the second about getting to those second balls and getting feet in first and stuff like that. Real battling performance by a lot of our Reds. Um, Elliot and Diaz in particular, I thought were inspirational in that regard. So, I don't know. It's hard. I, I don't. I don't want to be too cliched in my summation and, and almost condescending. But w- w- should we be uh, praise praising of, of 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 that particular Crystal Palace lineup and the way the 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 tactics that he chose to implement? Yeah, because it worked. I mean, look, that's the thing with this. That's how you come and set up at Anfield. That is the way you do it, and it, it works one of two ways. Either you get the results. Or you get beat, and we judge you based on the outcome. But in this regard, whatever happened tonight, we weren't going to beat them easily. Like, we weren't going to put three or four past them. And that's kind of what was important for them. If we were going to win, it was going to be hard, it was going to be a slog, and it was going to be a narrow victory. But, you know, you see the way they set up. It's a flat back five because... Klein and Mitchell aren't crossing the halfway line. They're they're there just to support the back three. You've got Eze, who's the sort of the short out ball, dropping in to receive the ball. Absolutely fantastic player on the turn. Can beat people very, very easily. Glides over the ground. He's a wonderful player to watch. He's really good, isn't he? He's such a fun player. And he's got the same hairdresser as Mo, uh, based on the highlights that both of them were rocking tonight. And then you've got Au on the other side who's sort of the, the longer out ball, you know, that stretching out ball that you can just hoof it down the line to. And look, Jordan Au's years past being good, but he's serviceable and he works hard and he will chase and chase and chase. And he's a pain in the arse to play against. And then you've got Eze, or you've got Zaha rather, up against the centre-backs. And look, people have wildly differing views about Wilf Zaha, the footballer. Some people for many years were convinced he was a player we should sign. I always thought he was best as a big fish in a small pond. 
I don't think he has the mindset or mentality to play for a big club. But I think at a, at a Palace or even at an Everton or a West Ham, I think he could do very, very well. Um, I think he's enjoying life at Palace again because they've brought in good players now. Zaha has Ezzy to play with. He has Dukure. He only came on late in this game because he's coming back from injury. But Michael Elise is an unbelievable talent. And, you know, you saw other options there off the bench in Eduard and Mateta. So in in, in fairness to Vieira, if, if we get an early goal and he has to change it at halftime, it's a very easy change. You just whip either Klein or Ward off. You go to a back four and you bring on Eduard or Mateta to play up front with Zaha. So he had good options off the bench. Um, he had experienced midfielders like Hughes and Milivojevic who came on. And they're really good at seeing uh, games. They're experienced operators. Like, I give him credit because it worked. I would give him the same credit if we'd won 2-1. Because I still think in, in a way he's accomplished what he sets out to accomplish. If Even if we win the game 2-1, he's come to make it really difficult to put in a grafting performance to find cohesion in this team as well, because if you saw Palace last weekend, they for the first half, they looked completely all at sea. You could tell they'd had that weird pre-season. Half of them went to Asia and Australia. Half of them had to stay home because of different COVID reasons and injuries. So there was no time really spent with the full group in pre-season, which is an odd way to do things, but it's what they had to do for whatever reason. And you could see that against Arsenal. I do think tonight he's probably looked at it and thought, you know what, the best way to get these lads playing together is to get them defending together. Because I've got enough lads that can create going forward and Eze and Zaha and Elise and Eduard and Matata. I know they can create. I know they'll get me goals over the season. What I need is I need a unit that works together. And I think that's in part why he's gone like this tonight. And it's worked for him. So, look, fair play. Um, I hope the Mitchell injury is nothing too serious, though, you know, when we get on to discuss, discussing the referee, it is worth pointing out that Mitchell chap, every time Salah got the ball, Mitchell had a hold of his jersey. Every single time Salah picked the ball up on the right, Mitchell was pulling and dragging out of him and not one free kick was given. Not a single uh, I, free kick. <clears throat> that, the, the same could be said for that absolute I, I, I'll just hold back. Anderson. Anderson yeah. several times yeah. was holding, pulling. At one stage, he actually takes Mo and Literally shifts him over to one side. from yeah. one side to the other. This is in the box. Within a couple of minutes, he's got two arms around um, Luis Diaz and holding him down. And yeah. of course, our pal, Foxy Tierney, sees nothing. The no. guy is an absolute joke shop of a referee. Like, I a get joke the referees. Shop. Can we talk about him now? Because... Like, I get that referees are being told to let things go a little bit more. And I'm fully on board with it because the game had gotten soft. It had gotten to the point where defenders couldn't make tackles, where midfielders weren't allowed to go in for 50-50s. And it it was getting to the point where we were basically playing basketball. It was a non-contact sport. So I like that they're letting a few more bits and pieces go. I like that they've been a bit more forceful on time-wasting and things like that. But, I mean, there was a moment in the first half where Diaz beats two players and gets hacked down. I mean hacked. Hacked. And nothing's given. He's waving him up. And, and he's off. And by the way, 
that man runs in the most ridiculous manner I've ever seen anyone run. Knees up and pumping like he's doing some sort of um, high-intensity training. It's absolutely embarrassing to watch that refereeing performance. Like It is a shambles, the standard of refereeing in this country. We saw it yesterday in the Chelsea Spurs game. We've seen it again tonight. Like I said earlier, I think he was bad for both teams. I think there was a couple of things that they didn't get that they should have got as well. It's just that we had so much more of the ball that far more went against us. But like, as you said, Anderson hands everywhere. Jerseys pulled everywhere. He booked Diaz for pulling a shirt. And yet they were allowed to pull shirts all night. It's very hard not to, um, you know, get your tinfoil hat on when things like that are happening. It's very hard, uh, especially if you're inclined to be shining yours up uh, on a regular basis as I am. And Harry, I do want to bring you in on Crystal Palace just before we go, because the tyranny discussion will, is as opposed to being a section at the start, uh, uh, kind of a ref watch thing, it's just going to be ongoing through the game. So I think we'll do it that way. But I do want to bring you just in a bit on Palace as well, because, you know, part of the job here is also to talk about the opposition. We're going to have to play these guys again. Uh, and regardless of whether we do or not, uh, part of the show is to speak in an honest way about what we were facing as a challenge. And as you were talking to your guest um, about this particular game, it probably wasn't any great surprise to you to see how they did line up today. It probably also wasn't any great surprise to you to see that there was a sort of um, organisation and rigidity and defensive solidity to them. Um, on the back of the conversation you'd had, was there anything even vaguely surprising about that lineup for you, or was it pretty much always how he was going to go? Do you think, according to the insight you got from um, your, doing your show? No, nothing surprising, unfortunately. Um, and I think even the way in which they applied themselves uh, and, and the way in which they actually, I thought they were very disciplined in their game plan. And of course, uh, as Dave mentioned there, I mean, it's it, it's a game plan that you you approach a game at Anfield with. Uh, you don't want to suffer a scoreline that's going to be you know, potentially damaging for a young team trying to build early on in the season, uh, disrupted preseason, like David mentioned as well. But uh, no, I thought I, I was wondering sort of how their fitness levels would would show themselves. Uh, but obviously with the five subs as well, he's, he's able to freshen up the team later on with Will Hughes and a couple others coming on just to keep the energy high. But pretty much that that lineup is what I expected. I was intrigued to see sort of the the impact that Decore would have. Um, Eze now has also sort of got to the stage where you know, he, he had a tough season last time round, coming back from a long, long-term injury, uh, and the way in which he glides over the pitch is uh, is is very frustrating. Um, and you can see that it almost lures you in, as Diaz does at times, and and did tonight as well, lures you in for the challenge, and then makes you look completely silly as he skips away from you, as he did with Fab for for the goal that I'm sure we'll come on to talk about. But um, you know, just 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 very efficient. Um, everyone seems to sort of be aware of their roles, um, even in that period early on in the game where it was a bit frenetic. The pace was hard, uh, and and you wondered. You've seen other teams lose their heads in that situation. There, there did seem to be a togetherness about them, uh, and uh, I I think that's you know indicative of a you know a belief in in what the manager's going at them uh, sorry telling them to go out there and do so no no real supplies um I'm sort of slightly surprised to see Klein I, was, I wasn't necessarily sure whether or not there were any other options there but thought he was fairly diligent all night as well Joel Ward has obviously um been there forever as well to be honest but uh no Gay and Anderson um obviously the partnership that uh is getting a lot of praise and and, and Mitchell for a young player very strong as well so 
not many surprises. Um, I suppose the only one was sort of the unpleasant surprise of just how well they uh, they ended up executing their game plan. Did your guest flag up the threat posed by uh, Easy particularly? Because he is a lovely, lovely mm. player to watch. I know he's been at the club there since I think 2020. Um, yeah. I think he came from QPR, uh, or was it Wickham? Anyway, he's 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 played about 50 games odd for them, but the lad has something. And when you've got a, a willing and capable runner and finisher ahead of him, uh, a very a lad full of ability, um, like he had tonight. That's a dangerous weapon, and it, it nearly worked on a couple of occasions. Yeah, that, as I was highlighted, as was uh, Michael Alise, who I think is another huge talent as well. Both of them, uh, in, in the little we've seen of the Met Palace so far, very effortless sort of dribblers, really nice to watch. Um, and when they are in full flight, yeah, very difficult to to deal with as well. I mean, you're like able to beat one or two men, win fouls, um, you know, being one or two men in a counter-attacking situation like like you know, they saw they had tonight on a, on a few occasions where Liverpool are defending high with a with a player that we know sort of isn't comfortable doing that uh, suddenly becomes a very dangerous situation. So no, I I, I think him him and Elise for sure two really exciting sort of young talents and um, yeah they're they're a great place to develop at the moment as well. Harry, let me start with you and just to flag up something. I'm, I've, I was taken aback several times. I'm hoping it was the coverage or the miking of of the ground or the stadium because I was really taken aback, especially when we really needed uh, the crowd to be up uh, at the levels of quiet. It seems to start off great and um, we were up and at but it really faded away and there was a feeling that I used to sense in the ground back in the 08-09 season where it was like are we going to win this league or what like everybody was absolutely terrified all the time and there was an anxiety in Anfield that made it not much fun actually that season it wasn't great crack it should have been far better certainly for me anyway I just I couldn't help picking up on it and here again there was just silence and sort of quietness and awkwardness and I'm going to come back to it on a few occasions, so I just want to mention it there at the start so that we can um, frame it up for later on. But let me start this uh, match breakdown with you, Harry. We have a chance right in the first minute. It's a really dangerous Trent ball into Darwin. I saw some people saying that Trent played awfully this evening. I can't agree with that at all. I don't know where that's coming from. But anyway, great ball by Trent into Darwin. Uh, Guita punches it clear, but Milner got there ahead of IU. He did really well to get his foot in. However, that touch, as Dave said earlier, was quite heavy. And he's stretching on his left to try and uh, get to a sort of a half volley. Uh, and he skies it. Now, it's not far over the top corner, but it's a good chance early on. And a more, I think, composed individual uh, or more likely goal scorer um, puts us ahead in minute one and the game's dead. Anyway... Trent continues with his dangerous crossing on four minutes. We had a good move ending with a Harvey shot in five minutes. Then Miller dinked one forward and Darwin is onto it, pings a great ball to Mo. And at this point, I'm just going to stop and I'm going to flag this up as well. I saw, I kept saying to myself, kind of, I think I said it out loud once, 
oh, this is new, to have a target man, to have someone who you can just fire a, a, a hopeful ball up in the general direction of and he'll take it down and keep it and hold it and play it off. This is fantastic. I, I like this. It's it's exciting and it's an exciting new aspect to how he can play. Um, on eight minutes, there are a couple of chances back to back. Harvey is a shot blocked. Um, I think it was Anderson. Uh, then Trent uh, plays it to Darwin. He gets his volley all wrong at the back post. It's not a bad position he's in, but he can't sort of guide the shot in the correct way, and it goes quite wildly askew. At that point, I've noticed and noted that we're doing really well here in terms of the press, in terms of winning second balls, in terms of being very front foot. Uh, a long ball to Darwin is nodded on to Mo. And again, I'm thinking, this is great. This is a new thing we've got here, a new weapon in our in our arsenal. And on 16 minutes, there's a very long ball into Robbo, who's made a great run down the left. Um, he uh, gets the ball eventually to, uh, it breaks eventually, sorry, from Robbo uh, and his efforts to Luis Diaz, who does a little bit of um, fannying about and has his shot blocked. I'll stop it there because there's a lot of stuff going on. And really, uh, it, the minute after that, there's a ball through to easy. He's offside. But Ali came out and stopped him. One of those things we love to see Ali do. And, you know, it's 17 minutes and it's all us, Harry. It's all us. Mm. They haven't had a kick. It's dominant. And... You might say there's no great chances, but they're actually one of those chances. One, a couple of those shots were like heading towards the target, and then a couple of them are just bad executions in good positions. So, especially at that back left post, a couple of occasions with Darwin and Milner. I mean, it's very hard. I, I can't be critical of that opening twenty or so. I thought, I thought, I thought we were great, and I thought we were really on the front foot. And it's good football, Harry. It's just missing that final touch. Yeah, I was happy with the tempo. I was I was happy with the intensity. I know the under pressure, the under pressure lads last time after the Fulham game were talking about how they were, you know, the the pressing was good in in the Fulham game. I didn't really think that the that the side sort of um, matched the intensity that they were getting off Fulham. Um, and I thought tonight was better in terms of us us dictating the tempo rather than sort of allowing allowing Palace to try and sort of uh, you know. Um, forced themselves onto us. Obviously, Palace weren't trying to do that in this in this game, but I thought we set the tempo uh, right. There was some nice slick slick passing, um, and I thought even early on you could sort of see the difference of having a player like Harvey Elliott in that right side of eight position, where you know very intently sort of buzzing around, uh, you know, trying sort of quick combinations, uh, looking for more incisive passes than you're usually sort of expecting from that position as well. Sort of seeing a left footer in that position as well, obviously changes the dynamic a little bit as well, dovetailing nicely with um, with Mo a couple of times early on as well. And as, as you mentioned, it was sort of weird to see Nunes, uh, to see a, uh, a player of that profile in, in that position at Anfield, Trev, because it's obviously been a while since we've had a player like that really. And um, I don't know if it was me just being super conscious of it but right from the off I was, I was just hoping that we that we wouldn't use him too too often in in too obvious 
uh, you know, sort of a type of way in terms of, okay, now we can hit this ball. Let's just do that all the time. Let's try and get the perfect cross into Nunes or, um, you know, ping a perfect ball into him because he's there and he's a target man now. And, you know, that's how you play with a with a striker of his profile. I, I think as the season goes on, I expect us to mix up our play a little bit better uh, and sort of um, take advantage of the, of the chaos that Nunes can create in terms of providing space for, for others as well. But, yeah, I had, had very little reason to be upset with that start. Of course, as, as we talked about, you were sort of slightly concerned around uh, Phillips' inclusion just because of you know, the fact that he's, it's difficult to play a high line with a player like him in that in that role. But again, he, sort of him keeping it ticking over quite nicely as well. Uh, um, everyone looked fairly confident, sort of trying to set the right tone compared with the last game. So, yeah, I wasn't too disappointed by that. I thought that there was even some nice sort of cute... Uh, um, combinations with Milner as well, and Dave mentioned he, he he did do well when he came on the last game. You you had reservations about him starting, perhaps, and sort of how badly he would fade or whatever. But no, I mean from the off, that's that's the the start you wanted to see. Um, the only thing you were sort of hoping for is that you know one of those sort of half chances or whatever just gets lashed in, immediately taking some pressure off you because that ruins their game plan. They have to come out. They have to be a bit more adventurous. And perhaps then we are talking about a bigger scoreline if they concede so early on. Yeah, I think that's a very good counterpoint to what I was saying, that, you know, we can't overplay that. It did seem a little bit at times, uh, you're right, that we were just going for that ball to Darwin, a hopeful ball forward. And we have too many players in the team who are likely to hit that sort of dinked pass in the general direction of. So that's obviously a balance you have to strike going forward. Um, and hopefully we will... Dave, we'll take it through to the goal and then see if we want to go further. Because on the back of what I was chatting to Harry about, which was 17 minutes where they had their first attack, but it was offside, and Ali came out and stopped it anyway. 20 minutes saw a couple of dangerous crosses by Trent, one after the other, and then another one in 21. And again, where this criticism of Trent's performance this evening is coming from, I, I don't understand. Another class ball by the same player on 22 minutes into Mo Salah, his first time shot. Uh, he hit it with the inside of his left foot, is wide of the near post. Again, on a different day, Mo absolutely pings that into the back of the net. Uh, we saw Virgil trying to take a touch. That's the frustrating thing: is he does have time to take a touch and yeah. then shoot. He doesn't need to go first time, or if he just steps over, it runs on to Darwin's right foot. I, I think that's a, a good clear opportunity, and Mo was just snatched at it. To be honest, yeah, I I, I, can't, I can't but agree. It felt that it felt that's what i was trying to say earlier on it felt like the majority of our shots were like you know that sort of at full stretch at full tilt just slightly out of control not in that kind of controlled way where you just see someone like mo salah taking his time and rolling it to the corner that he wants to roll it or driving it to the top corner because he can just eke out a bit of space anyway we do continue um Virgil tries a pot shot from 40 yards in 23 minutes which is quite entertaining to watch a lovely one too with um Darwin and Harvey Elliott ended up with the shot getting blocked on the line um it was 26 minutes I think it was Anderson blocks the shot on the line or, or damn near on the line uh it's gone past the keeper put it that way and it's heading towards the goal 29 minutes Trent dinked a beautiful ball. Trent found himself in the centre of the field. A beautiful ball dinked in towards Mo. Uh, you mentioned this one earlier on. And Mo's header, you know what? It's not great, 
because uh, he's good in the air and it's a good opportunity. He's yeah. kind of in a central position. Uh, he doesn't manage to take it. Uh, Luis Diaz, who had been lively from the very first whistle, does a fantastic track back on 30 minutes to prevent a counter attack. Harvey Elliott early on, and credit where it's due, had been doing stuff like that as well. Even if he lost the ball, he was always the first to get back and, and be yeah. nibbling at the toes of, of whoever. I love that. I love seeing that. And I, I this... This is one of my takeaways from this. I think if we have to rely on Harvey as an eight, if Klopp can have the bravery to rely on Harvey as an eight going forward into this season, um, that might be one way we can escape what you know is an issue that we, we've spoken about at length on so many shows. Anyway, we're building to 31, where on the back of all of that, and that's entirely Liverpool except for that one offside attack, on the back of that, they go one up. Now, the way they do it is really interesting. Obviously, we're on the attack. The keeper clears it out uh, to the wing. The ball eventually comes to easy. Two two passes. Now, you got to say the kid does brilliant here. He does Fabinho up like a keeper. And then he slides a fantastic ball in towards the run of Saha, who has timed it perfectly. He blasts his way past Nat Phillips like he's not there. Nat's... Carragher was saying Nat's body position is all wrong. I think that's a very easy thing for a defender to say. I would just say that he wasn't quick to react or quick enough to react. Anyway, Zaha stays clearly on side. Uh, he's sort of making his run from the right to the left a little bit to get onto that ball from easy. It's a brilliantly slid pass. Now, when he gets there, he has a lot of work to do. It's not easy. And Virgil is looking like he could close him down. And I want to talk about this with both of you because Virgil, I think, could get there. But what he does is, if anything, he takes his foot off the gas in the last couple of paces, almost as if he's saying, yeah, go on, have a shot. That Like, you're not coming inside. I'm not letting you come inside. So have a shot. Ali's got it covered. I don't know if you can put that down as an error. I don't know if you'd like to see Virgil closing there. In retrospect, of course, you fucking would. Um, but it's... a Bloody brilliant finish, and it has to be. It goes right in at the base of the post, from left to right. It's really well done. You could possibly say you'd love your keeper to get there, but it, look, it's as well executed a finish as you are going to see. Um, there's a lot to talk about there, but I want to let you have a run at it, Dave. Right, just just on Harvey first, I, I fully agree. I thought he was promising on the ball tonight. But what actually really impressed me was his off-ball work, how mm. diligent he tracked runners, how quick he was to get a foot in, how hard he worked to go and win the ball back when he'd lost it without committing to ball chasing 40 yards out of position. He did it all within the structure of the team, which isn't what we saw last week from the fellow who played there then. On the goal, look, Fab should do better. He should do better. He gets wrong-footed by one of the best 1v1 players in the league. Every Chiesi is unbelievable 1v1. And he drops a little shoulder and Fab overcommits and sort of runs by him. He hangs a leg out, which normally Eze might have just taken the cheap free kick to relieve a bit of pressure. But when Eze looked up, he had... Wilf Zaha one-on-one with Nat Phillips. So, of course, he's going to try and make something happen from there. So, Fab should do better, but 
I don't know that it's necessarily a catastrophic error from Fab. It's just, you know, be a bit more, be a bit more considered in your tackle. Um, Nat is all wrong good, here. He just gets beaten by a he good player. He gets beaten by a good bit of skill. He gets beaten by a good bit yeah, of skill. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. Nat Phillips is all at sea here. I'm sorry. He takes three steps backwards as Eze and Zaha are running towards him. Gets himself well behind Virgil. And then panics and tries to step out after the ball is played. And Wilf is away to the races. And then rather than getting his head down and trying to get back to make a tackle, Nat's too busy waving his arms around, gesturing at a linesman, looking for an offside decision, which was never going to come. And the reason Nat knew it wasn't going to come is because as the ball was played, Zaha was literally running by him. He wasn't behind him. He wasn't in front of him. He was right beside him, running past him. Nat Phillips' inability to play in a high line caused us that goal. It's not Nat Phillips' fault. It's not Nat Phillips' fault that he's a limited central defender. That's just what he is. I mean, the lad wouldn't get a game at any Premier League club. Like, he's not getting in any Premier League team right now. You may be Bournemouth, but they play a back three. And do you really want Nat on the right-hand side of a back three? I don't think you do. He's not getting a game with anyone else. That's just his level. He's a good, solid championship centre-back. That's where he is. It's not his fault that he's been thrust into this position. It's Jurgen Klopp's fault. So the goal, while it's Nat's mistake, it's on the fella sitting in the dugout. It's, it's, it's his fault. Um, what do you make of that question? What do you make of that question about um, could Virgil do more? You, you see, you see the point I'm making. He's closing down, and then he's, he actually he, he, he eases up on the gas as uh, Zaha is starting to take the shot. So yeah, like, I, I wonder I, is he, I can't is he replaying the moment from last weekend in his head though? Is he replaying the penalty against Mitrovic in his head and thinking if I go to commit or I go to block the shot, he's just cutting back past me. And he knows Nat's not close enough to get a tackle in. So, yeah, I mean, you'd like him to commit to it. But, like, as we've just said, with, with Ezzy, Will Zaha, whatever people think about him, the fella can, can dribble. The fella can beat anybody 1v1. And if Virgil commits to try and block that shot, Zaha probably just cuts back inside, gets a better angle and shoots. Yeah, yeah. Virgil, yeah, he, you'd like to see him do a bit more, but at the same time, it's one of those situations where the computer in his brain has probably looked at the angle and thought, he's not going to beat Ali from here. I'm going to let him have his shot because from this angle, I don't fancy him to beat Ali. And I, I don't think it's it's anything you can hold against Ali. I think Ali gets as full stretch as he can. I think it's just a great finish. I do. I think it it's a just great a great, great finish. I think from their point of view, it's an outstanding goal with the contributions of Eze and Zaha. And from our our point of view, you'd like to see Fab and Virgil just do a bit more. But it, it comes down to Nat not being able to judge the defensive line. And like I said, it's not his fault. He's not like no. when Nat was in the team at the end of the season, not last season, season before, we dropped a defensive line a lot deeper. We didn't lot. play like this. No, we didn't yeah, play we like didn't this. Play like this. Never so, so, in this it, it was a 
No, no. And all the way through, you can see Virgil shouting at him, telling him to come up. He's Virgil's right arm helicopter thing is on the and, go and all Matt the time. And doesn't want it. He doesn't want it. And there's a couple of other times in that game where he drops off behind Virgil because he's worried about Zaha's pace. And I don't blame him for it. Like, I'd be worried about Zaha's pace. I'd be worried about Zaha's pace against Matip, let alone yeah, against Matt Phillips. He, he, He's deeply uncomfortable at yes. full tilt nah, in the ball. There was a couple of occasions where I was like, oh, holy shit. He was coming out of the fence with the ball. His touch was absolutely atrocious. Yeah. Anything, if he has to do it at a high pace, he can't do it. He is He's not, not a footballing centre-back. He's not a footballing centre-back. Nat Phillips is is a head-it-and-kick-it, old-school centre-back. He it, With the ball in front of him and a little bit of time, he can yeah, ping a pass, no question. Um, he, he can ping a pass to either side. He's got a decent awareness. He just he doesn't have the technical level and he doesn't have the foot speed to play in the high line. So and again, you know, there was other moments where he carried the ball into midfield and one of them would come to press and he'd panic and he'd turn and give it straight to Trent and then he's running backwards to get it back into position because he doesn't want to be on the ball on the halfway line. Again, it's not his fault. He's just, you know, know your players, know know what they're capable of and what they're comfortable with. And Nat Phillips is not capable or comfortable playing a high line or being being asked to do what that right-sided centre-back does in possession because we see Matip do it, we see Ibu do it, we see Joe Gomez do it. They're the one who carry the ball into midfield. All the time from that channel, they carry the ball into midfield and the other three boys do it and it looks really natural and really fluid and they've all got their pace and awareness to get back and he just doesn't have it and it's not his fault. It's not his fault, but you're you're cringing watching it all the time. Yeah. Like, he, he was asked to do it, he was trying to do it and just the kid can't do it. Anyway, Harry, after that goal, we're a bit shook up if we're being truthful, because we have been so dominant. Now, immediately after it, there's a really kind of silly, ambitious Darwin effort shot from right to left. It's well off target. It's just a frustration shot, I'd imagine. Um, but like I say, we're a bit shook up. On 36 minutes, Saha tries a long ranger. Uh, it's low, and it's Ali can gather into his chest quite simply, but their tails were up. That's their second shot, right? Uh, Luis then gets a yellow card for pulling a shirt. Um, on 40 minutes, there's a chance where Ayu slides in Zaha. And Ali had to come out really well. Uh, we end up conceding the corner. But again, it's good goalkeeping. Um, and we end the half with a couple of opportunities. There's, I think, three minutes added at one point. 43 minutes, though, before that, Mo puts a cross in. There's a bullet header by Harvey Elliott, which you wouldn't expect, which leads to a corner because Guaita is a bit sloppy on it, to say the least. And his defender ends up kind of kicking over the line in a, in a moment of panic. Um, we don't um, do well with our set pieces today at all. Uh, all uh, you know, I was really hopeful that that might be the thing that it forced as ten men uh, as we went on. But the deliveries, especially some of the yeah. ones, some of the cross, some of the crosses from from Simicus later on, like I mean, who's so good at them, was just d- depressing. The half finishes with on forty eight minutes, Harvey pinging a lovely pass into Darwin. Darwin took it on his chest. 
he doesn't really connect clearly as Dave said earlier on I think a defender might get a foot in but he guides the ball with his right foot towards across uh, he's at the the left post back post and he guides his effort across towards the far side of the goal um it ends up hitting the post and going across the box where Virgil is looming and just as you think is Virgil going to blast this in his left foot goes as he's about to swing and he slips over. And I don't know about you, Harry, but at that stage, I was thinking we might be bang in trouble here because it didn't look like it was going in. And like I said, they were one shot, one goal. Then they got their tails up. We looked vulnerable to a certain type of attack from them all of a sudden. And we couldn't get the ball over the line. And it was it, 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 I had a bad feeling at halftime, Harry. Yeah, I, I was just glad that that happened just before halftime, to be honest. I, I, I think if those things happen on a regular basis, yeah, you, you can start thinking to yourself, it's not going to be not going to be your day. So I was, I was quite happy that the whistle blew then, to be honest, and that, that everybody was coming inside because you, you could imagine sort of you know, Klopp being quite positive about a lot of things that you, you we saw in that first half and trying to sort of get them to remove any of those doubts, re- remove any of the anxiety from their head at halftime. Um, again, there is that Nunes chance that you mentioned um, before the sort of Virgil miscues his effort as well. Um, at halftime, I was just thinking, well, yeah, they've, they've, they've perfectly executed their game plan. We've, we've nearly executed ours on a couple of occasions. Um, keep the intensity high as we come out for the second half. We've seen at times those sort of 10, 15 minute patches either side, um, you know, start of the game and certainly after after half time, we can make teams' lives really, really difficult. So I wasn't too negative going in and was just happy that there was a there was an opportunity for Klopp to get into them and to try and sort of get them out and uh, pumped up for an intense start to the second half. I mean, if as I said already, Jeff, I, I I did feel like there weren't sort of that many clear cut chances, and that was sort of, sort of slightly sort of sitting in the back of my head. But uh, yeah, I was hoping that uh, you know Panis would tire as well, given sort of the what, what, what we've talked about with their disrupted preseason and and sort of those players coming in um, for only only the second game of the season. Just how much would they be able to you know keep their discipline in that shape? You know. And defend the way in which they were, because there were a few sort of last-minute, uh, sort of last-second challenges, desperate defending at, at some stages. So, yeah, I was I, I wasn't too sort of uh, despondent at halftime, Jeff. Obviously, sort of things got very messy very quickly in the second half, but um, <laughs> they yeah, did, I was they did, they did, man. And you know what? Let me stick with you for this. So we're going to build up to <laughs> to the big moment because, all right, the second half started reasonably well there was an opportunity for Mo I think it was in the 48th minute uh Mo, sorry Mo slid the ball into Darwin Darwin's effort ended up getting smothered he was shooting across goal uh face a goal from right to left and Ward is sliding in um <clears throat> the ball strikes his hand uh his arm um but of course Tierney and Mariner decide there's nothing to it uh and you just have this kind of sinking feeling that you're just going to have to accept that kind of shit now in the same way as Dave was talking about earlier on that you just have to accept that Mo Salah can get picked up and literally bodily lifted from one side uh, to the other or you know in, in the past Sadio Mane could get kicked 50 times a match uh, Luis Diaz seems to be the new recipient of getting kicked up in the air and nobody gives a shit 
Nat Phillips on 52 minutes went in wild, uh, wild into a tackle. No control, no composure. And I'm thinking to myself, this kid is an absolute fucking liability. I'm really yeah. worried. Like I was really worried at this stage. The other thing to note before we get to the the moment I'm building up towards with you, Harry, here is that Tierney is letting them waste time all over the shop. He's allowing them to shit house. He's allowing them to kick Liverpool players. Mm-hmm. He's just absolutely we, we like we have to we have to acknowledge and I'll, you you feel free to, to to go back to this. You have to acknowledge the lad's a clown. He is just what whatever. I, I, let's not just say it's just against Liverpool. Let's not let's not like I say before pull our tinfoil hats on. But let's just say that yet again after a Premier League match, we're talking about the fucking incompetence of the guy who is doing the job of refereeing it. And of course, then he makes a big call. Now I've seen our own fan base absolutely riven in their takes on this. Hot takes left, right, and centre on the red card on 15, 70 minutes, 57 minutes, where Darwin reacts to Anderson shithousing and pushing him, and he steps into the lad. Now, I don't think, honestly, he has any intention of headbutting him. I think the other lad sort of half comes to him. I think Darwin means to kind of go into his chest or chin yeah. him in the chest a bit or just sort of, you know, do one of those nudge things that you saw a million times in the old days. Uh, but <laughs> unfortunately, he connects pretty nicely uh, with Anderson's fucking noggin. And the comical, pathetic fall over that Anderson does he would get sacked from every Amdram group in a church hall across the UK on Sundays. You'd be told, fucking cop on, lad. Nobody falls like that. But he <laughs> hams it up. The guy hams it up. Now, eventually, Tierney gives yellow to Anderson for his initial shove on Nunes. But he is 100% certain he's sending them off. And you know, when you see the actual incident, Harry, it's hard to argue with it. I've seen people trying to say it's never read, it's never read. You can't talk about intention. You can just see about what you can see there. We, we discovered last week you can't talk about intention. So you see what you can see, and he connects with his head pretty well. Yes, your man's a ham. Yes, he plays it up. Yes, he instigated the aggression. Yes, we're on a run of them having gotten away with X, Y, and Z. And yes, we're behind, and he's frustrated. But it's daft thing to do, man. Yeah, no, there were no complaints from me, to be honest with me. I think, uh, yeah, I, I always get quite quite frustrated when I hear people talking about intent because quite often it's used to excuse some pretty you know, dreadful challenges or things like that. And he's, he's, he's not that sort of player. Oh, there was no malice in that. But if, if it's a bad tackle, if it's a, if it's violent conduct, if it's, if it's this, or if it's that, that I, I think it shouldn't matter. You, you should just call it how it is um, in, in terms of his intent and sort of whether or not he was going for that sort of more, you know, squaring up that chest bump, Trevor, I wouldn't be surprised. However, yeah, when you look at it and sort of, yeah, of course, Jackie Manderson knows exactly what he's, what, what he's doing as well with the Larry David-esque uh, collapsing uh, sort of slowly <laughs> on the floor. Um, That's exactly it, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's um, it's it, it's it's a red card, yeah, and um, he, he, he he learns the hard way. Um, it's a difficult moment for him. obviously a young player. Um, I was really hoping this would be sort of a real you know subdued Uruguayan uh, striker. <laughs> to be honest, I don't want to have to 
Uh, no, no, we want a fellow with absolute. Well. We want a fellow in this team with balls, Harry. I know, but I don't want to There's far too many eunuchs that have been playing in this team and costing us points. Let's have a fellow with balls. Now, unfortunately, he gets played like a drum here by Anderson. Anderson knows exactly what he's doing. He starts mouthing at him, he mouths at him, and he shoves him. And as Darwin turns round, Anderson steps right into him. He just steps into him. So Darwin turns round to go chest to chest with him. But because Anderson steps in, he makes contact. I've been watching this fucking replay the entire time we've been doing this podcast. There's no intention of headbutting him. But unfortunately, because he swings round, and he swings around fairly violently to go chest to chest with him, because he's not going to take bullshit from Joachim Anderson, yeah. he does make contact. How much contact is open to discussion? Anderson goes down like there's a fucking sniper up on the roof of the main stand, because why wouldn't you? I mean, again, you know... You've set out to do one thing. You've set out to wind this fella up. You've been pulling and dragging and kicking him all game long. You've been jumping into him with no intention to win the ball and knocking him on his arse all game long. So why wouldn't you do this? But at the end of the day, he's the one that instigates the whole thing. He mouths at him and mouths at him and then shoves him. Mm-hmm. And the last yeah, mic check, you can't shove was- players. I want it's to be a red card. I'm not arguing podcast. against the red card. I'm not arguing against the red card. But the bottom line is, someone needs to take a look at Anderson there. You, you can't walk up and shove players. You just can't do that. And yet Paul Tierney, not a testicle to his name, happy enough to just, you know, give him a red card, send him off. Now, the, the Darwin reaction is, is Mascherano at Old Trafford. Was it circa yeah. 09 or 2000? 2000, 2010, I think. Um, yeah. The eyes go, and he just he loses all sense and reason. And Milner, to be fair, <laughs> obviously doesn't want the smoke, but he's trying to like tell him like go away, just go off. And everybody's like, none of them want to walk over and grab him and haul him off. And eventually they do because Klopp is standing there screaming at him to get off. But like, I, I don't know. There's I, there's something about having a player that just has an extra bit of fight in them that I do like, and he will have to tame it down. He absolutely will have to be, to rein it in if, you know, he can't react to things like that. But at the same time, wouldn't you have liked the referee to get a handle on that a bit earlier? And to oh be yeah, happy there was work? no chance of that, was there? No, no, that was the issue. Was it it was the worst of both worlds, like Trevor was mentioning there, where sort of the, he, 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 he feigned uh, like he was going to give a damn about the the time wasting for most of the game, like gesturing that he was going to sort of do things yeah, have time do on. Yeah, And then people. does absolutely nothing about he it. He did nothing. Do you know the worst part is, right? He waits till stoppage time and then books the keeper. And the keeper then knows, that's grand, I can, I can time waste now all I want because he's not no. going to send me off. No, he's he not sending me off for time yeah. waste. Yeah. He can literally waste I think he took 20 seconds it. more after he got booked, didn't he? I'm pretty sure yeah. he took yeah. even longer. Yeah. He, he did. He did. And like they started wasting time immediately into the second half because the referee called Joel Ward over on 47 minutes. 47 minutes and says to him, stop wasting time, I'm not having it. And then just let them carry on with it and didn't book anyone until the 91st minute. An absolute... Yeah, but... but, but. Paul Tierney, he's not he's not fooling anyone with that shaved head. He's just not fooling wow. anyone. He's still running around there like the world's oldest toddler, uh, fluting around the middle of the pitch. He is absolutely <laughs> ridiculously bad at his job. And of course, the upshot of this, lads, and we might as well acknowledge this, is that now Darwin Nunes 
this is I, I, I don't know I don't know what you thought right uh, regardless of what happened tonight and I was absolutely expecting a win I was thinking the game against Man United was going to be really pressurized because obviously they've had a fucking mare and it's us and it's at their place and they will have to do something there'll have to be some sort of a show from them and I was thinking Christ that's going to be a really 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 sort of fractious pressurized game really early in the season well it's even more so now because we won't have him for that no we've no Bobby we've no him we've no Jota or for the game against Bournemouth or for the game against Newcastle and I believe it stretches as far as the Everton match so it's a three week thing isn't it not a three game thing no it's it's either three games or four games depending on which level of violent conduct they give him so All if right, he gets so given it's, a level, it's I think it's a level two, he'll miss Everton as well. I don't think he'll get that. I think they'll just do the three-game ban. I think he'll be back for Everton. But I mean, like, what what do you think Conor Cody's going to try and do? Just try and wind him up as well. But, you know, so we go into the third game of the season with no fit striker. None. Which means Mo is going to probably have to play through the middle. Which means Harvey's going to have to play right wing because we've no backup right winger. Uh, which means Henderson has to come back into midfield. So we're just weakening the team all over. Here's one for you, though. Like, again, we're two games into the season. We have quite the injury crisis. Klopp has come out. Now, we knew before the game that Gomez wasn't fit to start, but strangely, nothing was said about Henderson having any kind of injury. Nothing was even suggested. Klopp came out afterwards and says, oh, no, he had a bit of a knock as well, which just sounds like an excuse to cover the fact that he dropped him. But... Listen to this now, right? Games missed through injury at Liverpool since joining. This is from Neil Devlin. I don't know where he got it from. Allison has missed 23 games. Since making his debut, Trent has missed 17. Matip has missed 98. Virgil's missed 54. Gomez has missed 136 games. Simicus has missed 18. He's only been here two years. Fabinho's missed 29. Uh, Thiago, 46. It's Henderson 42. That's wrong. It's a lot more than that because he's had four different season-ending injuries and a bunch of others. Milner 29, Keita 62, Firmino 44, and Jota 24. And obviously a bunch of them still have games. Like, how could you not have guessed we were going to have injuries? Look, Look at the squad we've got. A lot of lads. I mean, Ox isn't there. He's missed probably 70, 80 games with injuries. There's a bunch of them that that just carry these knocks. And it's week three, away to United, no striker, concerns over injuries everywhere. Is Gomez going to be fit enough to start? Are we going to go to Old Trafford with Nat Phillips playing centre-back? Is that the plan? Jesus Christ. Did you see uh, the little piece of news that Harry posted in our chat there? Yes, uh, I did. I did. The new Wolves sign us. (sighs) Now listen, right? He turned down West Ham last week because he wants a Champions League move. <laughs> right? So he was oh, top of best. Oh, he was best. top of City's list to replace Bernardo Silva. So what we can take this to mean is that Bernardo Silva is staying at City and that we're just been far too stupid. Klopp's got his head up his backside and is just being stubborn about this. Because no one can, can watch us t- play. And think we don't need a midfielder. Nobody can watch us after these two games 
And no. like, even the lads that were so adamant last season that they made a show of themselves and then refused to accept this summer that we needed a midfielder because it would have made them look like they were wrong last season. It would have been an, admit- an admittance of their wrongness. Even those lads have to admit this midfield is not up to scratch. And with the physical injuries, as well as the fact that some just aren't good enough, we clearly need an addition in midfield. You could, it was so, even tonight, even tonight, Harvey was good. I thought, bar their goal, I thought Fabinho was excellent. Um, I thought, actually, to be fair, I thought Harvey was excellent. Not just good, I thought he was excellent. Milner was was okay. Like, he wasn't good, he wasn't bad, he was just okay. He was, you know, six out of ten. Henderson came on, and he was the same. He was okay. He didn't offer anything. He didn't do anything wrong. He just sort of hoofed the ball a little bit and, and did some pointless things. But, you know, he ran around and he made himself half useful. Uh, I, I just... I don't see... I don't see how anyone could argue that we don't need a midfielder. Barring some sort of miraculous Naby Keita run of form and uh, Harvey maintaining his form and Fab being able to do the thing where we could actually have a very interesting dynamic between the three of them. Um, I don't, and, and can you have any faith in that anyway? Because can you have any faith in that? Can you have any faith in any of or, uh, any trio last No. Time? No, you can't. No. That's the, that's, that's the fucking point right there in a the nutshell. Anyway, we're going to, this is not something that we're, we're going to solve tonight. It's just it it needed to be commented on in the wake of that move. Um, uh, for, I am excited now uh, for Dan Rose or whoever does that clips these things up and puts them into uh, into an image on Twitter to 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 put one out tomorrow where I say uh, Jurgen Klopp has his head up his arse because because <laughs> I didn't get enough abuse last week. But I stand by what I said last week. You lose the league because of your weakest link. We lost the league because of our weakest link. And yeah. Jurgen Klopp does have his head up his arse when it comes to this specific injury, uh, issue. To be fair to Rosie, he did you up like a kipper there with all those one after the other. I, I, I muted every single fucking one of those conversations. Uh, one, one, or two, one or two of your old friends were in, in the mentions crying about them as well. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Fair play to them, mighty men. Uh, let's move on because there is something good to talk about. Um, just immediately after that, like within three minutes of the sending off, we have struck back. But Harry, there's something about it. Like, I mean, it, it's a fantastic goal. Uh, it's Luis Diaz cutting in from the left. He beats about 11 men uh, and he hits a gorgeous shot with the inside of his right foot uh, to the far post and bends it inside that far post. It's absolutely glorious goal. Fantastic skill, uh, impetus, class finish, uh, a, a quality player doing quality things. Brilliant timing as well for the goal to happen when it happened just then. Um it's one of those ones, like all the rest of our opportunities, that was like at a hundred miles an hour, and the shot had to be perfect. But his one was, for once, um, compared to all the other efforts that we've seen. And immediately after the goal, feel free to talk about that in a second. Uh, Kloppo changes it up, bringing on Simicus, bringing on Joe Gomez, bringing on Henderson for Robbo, for Nat Phillips, and for Milner. Um, they bring on Edward for IU, and. You're thinking, okay, are we going to really go for it here? And as I scroll down through what's remaining here of my notes, there's quite a few lines, but there's almost no shots. There's almost no chances. I think I see 
two towards the end for Mo and for Carvalho, two decent digs, but it doesn't really turn the screw for us. And we have to bear in mind that it is still 10 men against 11 men in professional football against a well-drilled Patrick Vieira side who had managed to hold us at bay and take the lead. So you've got to put a little bit of context on the the 10 men and why can't we do better because we made a few subs thing. <clears throat> but just talk to me a little bit about the goal uh, and the changes that if you thought they were the correct ones to make. Yeah, on the goal front, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's clearly a fabulous goal, right? It's 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 it's, it's all the talent that we that we know Diaz possesses in terms of being that street baller, able to dribble past you know, one, two, three, four, however many many beats in that mood, like you mentioned, uh, and then. Yeah, we've been sort of waiting to see him um, connect with the shot so cleanly, um, as we've seen in some of the highlight reels of of the goals in which he he scored um, before he came here. Um, yeah, it's a w- wonderful goal. The timing is is I think quite important as well, coming quite quite soon after that sending off. So it feels like it spurs us back on. The atmosphere is raised after that as well. Um, I thought it was a great timing to. to well, the subs were already coming on, but it's 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 a great timing for those subs to come on after that goal. Obviously, um, gives us even more impetus. Uh, the one thing I would say about sort of Diaz this season is, obviously, I'd be delighted if he scores those goals every single game or on a far more regular basis. But I do want Diaz to be uh, developing this season into the sort of player who scores more of the types of goals we saw Mane scoring around, just yeah. being more of a poacher. So I'm I'm, I'm hoping that he. Yeah, spends a lot of time sort of uh, hanging around with Jota uh, in the uh, on the training ground once Jota's back as well. Because, of course, we don't want to train this out of Diaz at all. You want him to retain this flair and, and, and sort of the ability to to think, I, I can take on five men here and score. But I think we also want him to sort of start showing some of those different instincts as well. And I'm sure they'll work on, with him on that as well. But, yeah, incredible goal. Uh, in, in terms of the players who came on afterwards, um, Simicas made so, sort of sense to me. I, I could understand sort of that sort of a different kind of threat, different kind of crossing. Although it was a bit weird that we would we do that after we lost our uh, centre forward, who perhaps would benefit the most from those types of crosses. That was slightly strange. Um, Gomez, I thought I, I think it was just necessary. Um, we've already spoken about sort of Phillips struggling in this type of situation with the threats they pose on the counter attack. With us being a man down as well, um, yeah, you, you want a player who's got that recovery pace, uh, is is much more comfortable on the ball, is just a better all-round defender in Joe Gomez. So that made sense as well. And in terms of the midfield change with Hendo coming on, I'm, I'm not really currently sure exactly how, um, yeah, if is Naby fit or is he not fit or is he, he's on the bench there, sort of available for, for selection. It's the left-sided role as well that Henderson comes on and plays when he does. So you do, you do, you do wonder why sort of they wouldn't opt for a player who's more comfortable in that role. Uh, but uh, Hendo came on and kept things pretty neat and tidy. But I think you could tell when he was pressed, he's you know, not the most comfortable on the turn, able to sort of keep moves flowing as, as they would best um, be perhaps. And at times was had to pass it back and had to, slow down moves a little bit, but I think that's just the way in which he's, he's just not used to playing and not comfortable playing on that side. But yeah, I, I was, I was happy three subs after the goal, trying to you know, maintain impetus, try and sort of you know, maintain that momentum and, and put more pressure on them. But similar to you, Trev. Yeah. I, as I, I felt the whole way through the game, I, I just felt that we weren't creating clear cut chances and perhaps it's underlined by the fact that the goal we do score is sort of a wonder goal from, uh, from Diaz. 
Yeah, wonder goal at 100 miles an hour. And, you know, just to st- I'll stick with you for a minute because it just kind of leads on from what we're saying. Like the upshot of it, I think, I think yeah, Ward picks up a yellow at long last uh, for a foul on, on, on Luis Diaz. Um, on 70 minutes, Mo slid a ball into Trent, um, who was coming in from the right. And this is probably the moment that people criticizing Trent's performance because it's actually not a bad opportunity, but he skews his shot horribly wide uh, at the near post. It's a really out of control thing from Trent, considering how uh, excellent the ball striker he is. There was a ball over the top. But yeah, very possibly. I I don't know. I I didn't hear if that panned out in the end, but I'll take your word for it. There was a ball over the top from Virgil to Luis Diaz who kills it brilliantly first touch, but then it kind of gets away from him. And then Diaz again, and this is just where I wanted to bring it with you, because I want to get just a, a word uh, from you on this guy, um, apart from his goal score, scoring. He did exactly what he did early on in the first half at this stage of the second half. He tracked and brilliantly killed a counter-attack via Zaha that was looking dangerous by being ridiculously industrious and I completely agree with you I hope he turns into a real sort of um, tap-in merchant I hope that's what he becomes as well as these brilliant uh, flourishes uh, skill that he has but his industry Harry is fantastic he's really important to us I mean that that counter-attack from Zaha could have been really dangerous and he's still doing it after scoring his goal in 75 minutes like he is a great kid Oh yeah, we, we've seen this guy even in sort of the few few games he has played for us so far, sort of run himself into the ground plenty of times, uh, especially after he sort of first arrived. You're watching these games and go, he's absolutely knackered, but somehow finds reserves of energy from somewhere, and yeah, he seemed to get sort of get another sort of second wind after the goal. That, that increased confidence. Some of the touches became even sort of even neater. Um, sort of some of the tricks were coming out as well. You, you could tell that sort of. Had had helped him raise his game, uh, and the tracking back, as you mentioned, that's a, a, a huge part of the of the game that we you know, we saw Mane contribute with as well. You know, sort of that that diligence, defending, uh, you know, coming back, not neglecting those duties, and what Dave was mentioning earlier on as well, right? You know, when you've got these South American players, uh, when you've got you know, Colombia, when you've got a Uruguayan, you do want that tenacity in their game, you want that desire in their game. Uh, you want them to sort of know how to use the dark arts and get, and get away with it. And I think Diaz is is showing a lot of that as well in terms of you know, that tenacity to his game, both in attacking sense and and in sort of the way in which he defends with the team, uh, is is great. I, I think they'll be really really happy about the way in which he presses, the way in which he's defending. It's, it's the other side of his game that they'll be working on. Uh, and yeah, I thought him him and Elliot tonight were some of the real bright sparks from that from that performance. Absolutely. Back to you for your wrap-up thoughts um, in a minute. Dave, just to take the couple of incidents between now and the end of the match, there are a few. Uh, Anderson, let's be honest here, on 76 minutes, he does that thing where he literally pulls Mo from one side to the other of his body uh, in the box, nothing given. Um, A little bit later on, in 80 minutes, he's bear-hugging Luis Diaz in the box, nothing given. It's a joke. He is a joke shop referee. And on 80 minutes again, within the same minute, that's three things within the course of four minutes. He took out Mo Salah in the D and he was Mo Salah was told to play on. This lad should have had two to three to four yellow cards in the space of that minute alone, four minutes alone. Um, but nothing from our hero, the ref. 
there's a lot of changes happening in this point uh, of the game. 78 minutes, we bring on Carvalho. They brought on Hughes, Richards and Mijovojevic. Um, there was a couple of horrible Simicus crosses. There was a mole half volley, really good dig wide of the left post on 86. Carvalho has a lovely volley, very narrowly wide. I think it came as a result of a free kick that broke to him on 89 minutes. As you said earlier on, our friend, the absolutely ridiculously useless referee, gives the yellow to the keeper on 90 minutes. Brilliant. Perfect. Five minutes are added. Carvalho picks up a yellow on 92. Uh, The ref goes in to have a little word to the keeper about how he should really speed things up a bit. And there is a chance um, from a corner uh, for Anderson, who has an absolutely shite effort, which, thank God, um, towards the end of the match, a pitch invader comes on 94. And actually, I forgot, on 77 minutes, they did have a a great opportunity to win the game. Ball right across the face of goal. Zaha slides in a full stretch, and he strikes the post with his effort. Um, It's poor. He should score. Um, So... Like the last day, I, I'm coming away saying, should I be sort of overall glad of the point here? I think you mentioned, should there be a sense of relief about at least getting the point on the board? But I think different to the last day, there was enough good football. There were enough chances created. There were enough well-hit digs in the direction of the goal that all I can feel is utterly gutted that even with the 10 men, that we couldn't get that win. I felt... We did enough. I, I don't feel as despondent as I did against uh, I, I, after the, full, the Fulham game. This game, I feel a bit robbed, a bit irritated, a bit irked, but not so much despondent with our style of football or with the performance. Um, just in terms of that last chunk of the game, because I'm going to finish the show with you, in terms of that last chunk of the game specifically, is there anything you want to raise uh before I go to Harry and then finish off with yourself. Yeah, I think he made the substitutions at the wrong time. He brought them on and killed all the momentum that we had. We were all over them and he made three substitutions and only only one of them actually made sense, which was to bring Gomez on for Nat Phillips. Henderson for Milner does nothing for you. Does nothing for you. You bring on an inferior football player and ask him to play on the left-hand side where he just can't play. And there's more than one occasion where he's got a simple through ball to an overlapping left-back and his technical deficiencies force him to do a weird little dance and turn back around and give the ball backwards because it's just not something he's comfortable doing. He offered nothing when he came onto the pitch. He wasn't bad, but he wasn't good. He was just okay. The same thing with, you know, bringing on Simicus for Robbo was maybe Robbo was tired. Second game of the season, you'd hope that's not really the case, but Simicus comes on and every cross he put into the box was utterly horrific. His set pieces were garbage. I don't really understand what the purpose of those substitutions were. Gomez for Phillips, I could see. Nat was having issues with the high line. You mentioned that wild tackle he threw himself into. Um, that's a Nat Phillips special. So Gomez, I could understand. I could have understood Naby Keita coming on for Milner. I could have understood bringing on Carvalho for Milner and just saying, you know what, fuck it. Let's just go and try and win this game. But he made the subs he made, and they had the two best chances, comfortably the two best chances after those substitutions. The Zaha chance, he has to score, and the Anderson chance, he has to score. 
Like, they are massive chances. We didn't create anything like that in the last 20 minutes after he made those changes. So I think the manager got it wrong again. I, I think he's just had himself a bad day. And, you know, he's come out in the press afterwards uh, and talked about Darwin, says Darwin knows he let the team down. Well, you know, I hope Jürgen's gone into the team and said, look, I got it wrong today. I let you guys down. I picked the wrong team. And when it came to it, or not even that he picked the wrong team, he just set them up wrong, considering the personnel that was there. Nat can't play that high line. So just alter it a little bit. Not massively, just a little bit. But a bit like you, Trev, we played well enough to win the game. We were the better team without question. Um, I thought we played generally really well. The, the shame of the Darwin red card is that I thought he put a lot of the concerns about him to bed a little bit tonight with his hold-up play and his link-up play, which I thought in general were very good. His finishing, his finishing was a little awry. Let's, let's not sugarcoat that. There was that half volley that he misjudged the back post. There was the, the one where the defender kind of nicks it off him that you can't really blame him for, for. But there was also two other incidents that I don't think we've touched on that potentially could have been penalties. Darwin gets put through, takes a left-footed shot, I think it's Joel Ward that slides in. It could have been Anderson. Yeah, yeah, I did mention that. And it clearly that. hits his arm. Yeah, yeah, I did mention that. Yeah. And his arm's up, and it clearly hits him. There was one in the first half where the ball bounced in their area. Diaz flicks it up, and Anderson clearly hits it with his elbow, or at least okay. on the angle looked hit it with his elbow. We didn't get a replay. We didn't get any replay of no. either moment. So, like, you know, that just goes... Down again, a bad refereeing performance, a bad night for the VAR, but a bad night for us because it is two points dropped. It's a game that we should be looking to win. Now, the only the only thing that I'm taking from this that's positive is that Palace getting a draw tonight moves them out of the bottom three, which means the bottom three now is Everton, West Ham, Manchester United, the David Moyes treble. So <laughs> while you may not need trophies to be a winner, he most certainly is the winner. <laughs> he is the winner. <laughs> and, uh, like, again, we're, we play the team bottom of the league next weekend. Yeah. A team that could, can't be any worse than they were on Saturday. And, like, the concern for me is we're going into that game without a recognised striker. We're going to be weakened in a couple of areas because we're going to have to move players around. We've got massive question marks over the midfield. And they're going to be looking for a reaction like Ten Hag's entire thing will be just let's just get a reaction and that's just it's concerning for me ahead of next weekend's game I was nervous ahead of today I said it on the Daily Red I was nervous ahead of today I'm never nervous ahead of a home league game never not even against City or Chelsea but I was nervous last night and today thinking about this game because of the ineptitude of our midfield last weekend I like I said earlier I thought the midfield played really well there's a weird narrative going around that Fab has had some sort of shocker, and I don't understand it. Yes, he can do better on the goal, but I thought I thought in general he was really good. I thought he, he won the ball back a ton. He moved the ball quick. People are saying he was too slow on the ball. What are you talking about? Everything was one and two touch. What it was happening touch? after the Fulham game as well, actually. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. It's part of a narrative to get somebody else in the team in that position. It's utter nonsense. Fab was good tonight. Harvey was good. I thought Mo played pretty well, but you'd love him to take some of those chances. I thought Diaz had a good game off the ball. I thought, obviously, scored an absolute worldie. 
I thought Darwin was playing playing well. Like I I don't actually think he could look at anybody and say other than that. But again, the the things that happen are not his fault. They're just things that are out of his comfort zone. I don't think anyone had a bad game other than Costas when he came on. I I did think he stank the place out. And why he was on set pieces when Trent is also on the pitch, I don't know. But Virgil looked to be properly pissed off at everybody towards the end. But, like, I don't know. Like, there's there's two weeks left in this transfer window. And if Klopp has decided we're not doing anything else, then on his head be this season's failures. If we don't win the league title, it will sit on his shoulders. If we don't win the Champions League, it will sit on his shoulders. He's the one making this decision. There is money available. There's money there to spend. This is not the owners. This is coming from Jürgen. And it's likely Jürgen, who does want a midfielder and has openly said he does want one, getting stubborn because he doesn't like the fact that he kind of feels like he's been forced into it. And he wouldn't want to buy someone and have everybody could turn around and go, ha ha, I told you you needed somebody. He'd rather just not do it and, and you know, roll with what he has. And it, it, it just... We just need to go and beat United next week. Beat United next week and just let all this shite from the last two games wash off us. Hopefully Darwin learns his lesson. Hopefully we start to get lads fit again. And hopefully, you know, we have another really good season like we did last year. But it's very hard to feel. It's very hard to feel as confident right now as we would have before the season began that's that's basically where i'm at as far as me this week two-footed every day daily red every day there'll be a couple of scouted i think there might be an old school at some point and that'll probably be it for me cheers man and harry just to get your wrap-up thoughts and sort of like overall feel on the match and do finish like david there with a little reminder of what's coming up for folks from yourself yeah hard to Hard to disagree with um, with Dave there in terms. Of, I thought the performance level was generally very good, uh, especially after sort of the you know dealing with those circumstances of having your your your, uh, your big money striker get sent off in that way and then reacting the way in which we did. I thought was was positive. I, I, I can see what Dave sort of means there about sort of the, the substitutions killing the momentum in a way as well. So that was a bit of a frustration, but. Yeah, I'm 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 probably in the in the same camp as yourselves around the concerns of if we do go into the season and uh, for whatever reason, whether it be stubbornness, whether it be sentiment, whatever it might be, um, not addressing what I think is an obvious sort of weakness in the team. I mean, I had other fans, other sort of journalists I was speaking to ahead of the season, you know, asking me directly about that, saying, "Do you not think you're a bit light in midfield?" Um, and it's 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 interesting to me that we actually have. We've got to the stage where, where we're not really addressing it, and then the injuries have actually only further uh, shone a light on it, to be honest. But um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I I think the the issue is 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 trying not to frame everything around what you think or fear City City might do, because um, obviously they've they've proven with their track record that they can do it. So. Uh, yeah, just hoping that this sort of uh, integration of new players uh, and um, perhaps a new a new style as well is a little bit smoother over the coming weeks. It, Darwin's not made it any easier for us now, but uh, um, uh, a win at Old Trafford would certainly certainly make me feel a hell of a lot better. So I'm just hoping that uh, um, whatever tall players we have can uh, can cause uh, Lissandra Martinez uh, 
quite an unpleasant afternoon as well, along with anybody else who's who's lining up there as well. So uh, from me as well, there, there will be a rival recon ahead of that game as well. So um, yeah, I, I, I tell listeners to keep their keep their eyes out for that one as well. It's it's hard to find a fan base that's uh, that's more despondent at the moment uh, than than that lot. So it's uh, it, sh- it promises to be uh, <laughs> an entertaining preview, I think. It absolutely does in so many ways, as does the week to come. Um, look, it's easy to get negative, folks. Um, it's the easiest thing in the world. Uh, it's also easy to preach, believe, trust. Uh, that always strikes me as some sort of cultish ideological nonsense. But there is an element of truth to it. These guys, this group, this manager altogether have earned a degree of trust. So we just need to see how we react against Manchester United. Like Dave says, just go and win the freaking game and get on with the season and start to put some shape on it. Maybe it's going to be one of those seasons in the league, but there's still the Champions League to play for as well. Uh, I don't actually give a flying, you know what, if it's one of those seasons in the league, if we go and blitz our way through the Champions League and win it. One way or the other, we need to win a major prize this season that's how I feel about it. that's how it felt about it last season we didn't really manage it we got two trophies fantastic but this group this manager this era we need to mark it we need to mark it with trophies and hopefully we can get our shit together and get ourselves back on the road next Monday when we'll join you again for Raw in the meantime do listen to all the shows from Dave on a daily basis Listen to what Harry's putting out as well. Both lads have told you what you can look out for, the names of the shows and where to get them. Just go to the Anfield Index set up there and you'll find everything there anyway. I'll be back with myself and Jan talking. Uh, we'll do a, an AIP. Myself and Dave will probably do a, 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 um, a Dave Davis will do a transfer pod. There's nothing but good content coming. You know, sometimes actually these shows after tough games are some of the more enjoyable ones. Sometimes the wins can be a bit forgettable. But we'll wrap it up for this one. I've been Trev Denny. You heard Harry Setti. You heard Dave Hendrick. This is Raw. And we'll be back with you again soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.